Hey, Marty, you want to you want to go first? Is that me? Yeah. Yeah, Marty. Sure. Okay, I'll introduce myself. My name is Marty B. Uh, I'm a compulsive gambler whose last bet was December the eighth, nineteen sixty-seven. That's uh, some forty-five years ago. Hi, guys. Uh, I'm, I'm, I want to first take right. this moment to congratulate Gary. Uh, I, I just love when somebody tries something new and different and exciting. And I, and I, I the only problem I was concerned about, honestly, was I have hearing issues. Uh, and so far, I'm doing okay. I try using a, a phone that seems to be working. Uh, so I ask that each of you, when you speak, uh, try to speak up so that I, I, I don't miss what you say. I'm interested in what you have to say. Okay, now we're going to limit this to, to four to five minutes. Otherwise, it gets too much. Okay? Four to five minutes is great. Uh, I will I will be happy to share that. All right. Um, <clears throat> I, I recall my first meeting and all of that, and I don't know if that's what, what I really want to talk about today. I went to a funeral today. Um, and uh, the guy was uh, a good friend of mine over 40 years, and he was a very, very nice person. He never had any addictions or anything of that nature. Uh, and uh, there was a nice, there was a strong crowd. There was a synagogue in the, in the neighborhood. And uh, his two children, um, one was a rabbi, one was a, a teacher, um, and uh, his grandchildren and neighbors and friends, all spoke of this guy, and they, of course, spoke very highly of him, and nothing they said was not true. Everything about him <laughs> that they, they discussed about his life and what he contributed and what he did. And I was thinking about myself in that same position. I saw him, you know, right out in the, in the middle of the, of the synagogue, and he was laying in the, in the plain box. And I said, what would a people say about me uh, that, of course, it's not something I thought about 45 years ago, but it came to my mind now is whether if I had not stopped gambling and if I had not come to GA and if I had not lived the life that I'd lived, would my children be able to honestly speak of me in a kind and gentle way, in a happy way? Would my wife be uh, really, would people have cried because I passed away? Would there be somebody, I mean, would there be people that really loved me and, and cared about me? And I can honestly say to you now that without, without any question that the life that I have lived since I have stopped gambling certainly would bring that kind of, uh, of, of response to, some of, to my passing. Now, it may seem strange for guys that I'm talking to right now that I'm talking about stuff like that, but I came in, I was 29 years old, I'm now 75. Now, that's, that's from 29 to 75, I haven't made a bet. Uh, I have two daughters, five grandchildren, uh, and I live very happy. My wife is, a, is, a, is a, goes to as many Gaminon meetings as I go to regular GA meetings. And um, over the years, I've participated in the program in many different ways. And um, I, I, just, uh, I just think that uh, I've heard this expression before, you know, that... Uh, on your tombstone, they write, uh, Marty, born 1938, died 2000, whatever. And that's that little dash in between is what you do with your life. What is it that you do with your life? I know if, if you if you realize and you come in and your life become unmanageable, 
you can't do anything that's really worthwhile. You can't. You just cannot do it. Being an active compulsive gambler does not give you the opportunity to contribute and do good things. Just doesn't. So I was very grateful for that. And as we get older and I see what's going on here in my life, um, there are health issues, there are different things that go on. Um, I, I just recognize that I'm so fortunate to have come to GA when I did so long ago and have built this life that I have. Uh, and I'm, I'm so grateful for it. I mean, I came out of uh, three roach-infested rooms in, in Brooklyn uh, with, uh, with uh, kids who you know, were messed up, and my wife was a shrew. And I came into GA, and now we live a very sweet, wonderful, wonderful life. Marty, how did it happen? Marty, Marty, yeah, how did yeah. it happen? How does the program work? What program works? Because if you listen to those who came in before you, and you understand that if you you know you you you, you hear their their experiences and their strength and their hope, and what happened, that's how it works. It works because you realize that you cannot live a decent, good life as an addict. And no one, I by the way, one of the things I, I I'm not one of these guys who uh, who like to yell and scream at people. I just I refuse to do that. I did that in the beginning because that's the way things were done. I have never yet met an addict who wanted to be one. So the whole idea it works because you want it to work. You are tired of living this kind of life full of anxiety and heartache and aggravation, and and you say, you know what? All I got to do is stop gambling, and then I can use whatever talents and ability that I have and make a nice life. And if I don't know something, there's somebody in the GA who can either direct me to the answer or give me the answer, whether it's legal, financial, emotional, moral, religious, anything. There's not a thing that you don't have in this program. It's made up of so many fantastic people. It's a diverse program. And so you, you, that's how it works. It works by you becoming a part of the community and that you are – uh, you, you come in not with a big ego, but with something, okay, for God's sake, please help me. I'm sick and tired of being this, this terrible kind of life that I'm leaving. I, I, I hate every minute of it. You know, towards the end of my gambling, I really hated it. I, I thought the only way I could get out was to gamble more. And then I stopped. I went to the meeting, and I learned a different way. It's a simple thing. Give up, surrender to what you've been doing, and that's how it works. It's not a secret. It's not a. It's not a. It's not a, a mystifying mystery. It's very simple. Stop gambling one day at a time. Reach out to the people who. There are plenty of people who really want to help, and who will explain to you each every and every step as it goes. Uh, who asked me this question, by the way? Oh, uh, is Louis. Yeah. In other words, yeah, Louis. Right. How long in Louis? Um, 1960. Oh, so you're right. 1960? No, I, yeah, 1960. Listen, let's get the next speaker. Let's get the next. Jeff, you want to go? Sure. Jeff B., I'm a compulsive gambler. I made my last set January 12, 1997. Hey, Jeff. Um, Hi, Jeff. Hey. On step one, to me, step one has always had two parts to it. Powerless over gambling. I never had a doubt about that. Um, how many times did I try to stop and failed? 
How many times did I swear this is the end and it wasn't? How many times did I think I was managing it and in fact it was managing me? And I think the progressive nature really convinced me of the addiction. And for me, the progressive nature was clearest when it came to betting on football. I can remember 1977, 78, starting to bet football. Initially betting the first, the two games that were on television. By the third week, betting four games. By the sixth week, betting eight games. And by the tenth week of the season, I was betting every game on the board. And by the twelfth week, I had three bookies. Not because I was shopping for odds, but because I was embarrassed over how much I was getting. That, to me, is the progressive nature of it. And I think that showed me the unmanageability. I mean, it showed me the powerlessness. What I had trouble with was the idea of unmanageability. I came in the program. I had a good job. I was a partner in a law firm. I had a nice home. And all my bills were paid. And I said, what's unmanageable about that? I kind of ignored the fact that probably five times over the last earlier ten years, my parents had bailed me out because of a gambling problem. And as long as they bailed me out, it wasn't a problem. The only problem is when I didn't have money to gamble. And I think it probably took me two years in the program to realize just how unmanageable my life had been. Um, I think about all the negative thinking problems, how my mind was solely focused on gambling to the exclusion of everything else. I think about the emotional extremes, the highs and the lows. You know, this is an addiction, this is a illness of solitude and isolation. And I was very happy being left alone and free to gamble. There was no room for anyone else in my life. They say that gambling is your mistress, and for me that certainly qualified. I didn't need to be with anyone or anything. I wanted to be left alone to gamble. That was, I came to realize, really a symbol of the unmanageability. I remember talking to my therapist one day in this time and describing myself as a hermit. And he said, that's not you at all. You actually love people and care about people. I said, it doesn't seem that way. When I'm gambling, I lose that. I think about the stress and the physical sensations and the sleep disturbances, and I came to realize how unmanageable my life had been while I'm gambling. And now, you know, 16 years later, it's done a 180-degree turn. The focus that I used to put on gambling has now been directed towards not gambling. I've developed values and goals which are important to me, which I never had before. I demand more of myself than I do of anyone else. I've been married happily for almost six years. That would not have happened if I wasn't gambling, if I was gambling, excuse me. And I just find myself working for the first time up to my potential. I mean, I was a C student in high school and law school and college. And when I went back for my master's in my mid-40s with a clear head and a desire to be there, all of a sudden everything changed. And I think that's the key, the idea of a focus and caring and desire and direct and purpose. I often quote John Lennon who said, how can I go forward when I don't know which way I'm facing? And he It told me where I was going. It gave me, it pointed me in the right course. And what I tried to do is build on that, and obviously it led me to changing careers. I went from law into counseling, and 
you know, where I now work with the council, and it's just given me an opportunity to help others, to help myself, to grow. And so what I've come to realize how important step one was, was when I thought I was managing my life, I wasn't. You can't recognize it until you stand far enough away and look back and see what it was like. So I have no problem with step one at all. Powerlessness has never been an issue. And I've learned how unmanageable my life had been while I was gambling. And I've learned it by seeing how manageable it is today. And it's really that distinction between what it was like and what it is today that, for me, is the heart and soul of step one. Thanks for letting me share. That's great, Jeff. That's great. great. Lou, I'd love to hear from you. No, no, here's Terry. Terry, hi. Go ahead, Terry. This this is Terry E. I'm a compulsive gambler. My last bet was August 15th, 1994. Well, step step one, powerless, it it describes me to a T on that day uh, and all of the days previous to that. uh, I had, not realizing it, I had no power over it. Uh, gambling, it had the total power o- over me. Every time I thought I could stop, uh, I never stopped. Uh, on the way home from uh, gambling episodes, uh, I would say this is the last time to myself, and then by, before I got home, I was thinking about the, the next time uh, I was going to do it, because I, I, I was powerless. And even after I entered the program, I hadn't accepted step one. It took me uh, quite some time, almost, almost six months, to realize that I was powerless. Even being abstinent from gambling, it still had power over me because I was always thinking about it, always wanting to, always uh, trying to uh, get away with something. I, truthfully, the only way I got to accept step one and start to take power uh, over myself was through uh, my wife being a member of Gammonon and learning how to handle me and uh, me uh, seeing that, yes, she was right, even though I was angry about it at first, uh, and that I, I needed to do the, the right thing and to accept uh, and I was powerless over that. Once I did that, once I accepted I was powerless over gambling, I was able to, to make great strides in, in heading towards recovery. It took me three years to get, to get into recovery. Just accepting step one is the, the first step, but uh, I don't look, e- look at it as recovery. Uh, I needed to go through the steps uh, to to get into recovery and to actually uh, realize that it took probably a little more uh, than than three years, and it took more than one meeting a week, and and it took more than than just uh, speech. It it took actually working uh, the steps. I'm uh, not one that believes you can go from step one to step 12 and you're done. Uh, I, I think that step one is very important, and it, sometimes it takes a long time. Uh, but for me, 
once I did that, once I accepted that, I, I just cannot do this. If I start, I will fall right back into it. Uh, I did have a relapse about six months after starting a, a GA. Uh, it took less than a, a weekend, uh, and, and I got right right back into it, and, and then uh, never again. And uh, today, I still think and work on, on all of the steps uh, because it's not all that easy uh, to just say, okay, I'm not gambling any anymore. Uh, every day of my life, I have to work up and say, I know I'm not going to gamble today. And, and I know I didn't gamble yesterday, and we'll work on tomorrow when it comes. But step oh, one thank you, is Larry. the first thing. Thank you for letting me share. Right. Good. Good. Gary, go ahead. Oh, you've got to speak, though, right? No, 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 I'm not. I, I've got a cold and my... Right. You go first. You go. As long as you speak, you got to be part of this. Well, you can't be the director. You got to be part of it. Okay. okay. Right. I'm going to bring in some international people from like Australia and some other people from California. That's great. Okay. Beautiful. All right, um, Gary. Yes. Um, my surrender date is March 23rd, 1997. Um, when the first time I came into the program, I had no desire to stop gambling at all. Um, and, and I just came in to satisfy um, um, a friend and family, my mom and a friend of mine. Um, the, the second time I came in, a year and a half later, is, is when I crashed, totally crashed. And, and in my therapy today, throughout my therapy, um, I, I consider myself very blessed that I didn't have a fight left in me. I, I, I didn't have to um, torment myself with... Um, understanding what step one was and, and, and going through the, um, the time that it would take on it. Um, not that that helped much at all. It took me a year and a half to, um, get my, uh, my sanity back and get over my depression and suicide. Um, but at least I didn't have the fight. And, and, and today when I see new people come in of whatever age, um, I, I, I use an analogy. They're like salmon going upstream. They got a lot of fight in them there, and they still want to fight and don't want to give up. And, and, and knowing that, eventually they're going to damage themselves, and eventually they have to go into program on it. Um, I value step one, even though I went through that um, torture um, and, and, and all that suicide and depression, um, I value my recovery so much because of that. Um, because I know I can't go back to that. And, and that's where I find step one very strong to me, is, is that I do understand it, um, and, the, and the liability that's related if I don't understand the, um, step one. And, and any time I take on any sponsee, all right, the first things I tell them is not, you got to call me or I have to make me. The first thing I tell them is we're going to work on step one for a year. All right, there's no shortcuts. We need to build our foundation, and we're working on step one for the year. And as we talk throughout that year, you'll get a better understanding of step one instead of running over it and going to two, three, and, and, and doing 12 steps in a year or whatever. Um, and, I'll, and, and as I work with those people uh, uh, that I sponsor on, uh, you know, their, their life 
the therapy and, and the life stories that, that come out during that time um, always relates to step one, always, and, and, and show them how they try to manipulate people, including me, their sponsor, but how they try to manipulate their spouse or their friends or their business or how they manipulated it through their life on, on doing that. And the manipulation of, of, of doing oneself is not surrendering. And, and, and they have to understand that step one is not just about, like, like um, Jeff had said, not just about giving up gambling. It's about giving up and surrendering to life and, and because my life has been totally unmanageable throughout my entire life, not just when I was gambling, throughout my entire life that my life was unmanageable and I was destructive my whole life. And, and, and getting to that point. And, and the consequences were that eventually led me into gambling, eventually led me into my addiction, eventually left, in, and Jeff and I, you were on the like, and, and, and betting on sports on three bookies in the height of the season, betting as much as I can with each bookie on it, all right, and, and getting to the point of total destruction, all right. And that's the consequences that led up throughout my entire life. And, and that finally, finally, through, through the grace of God and, and, and program, that I was able to understand how powerful step one is, not just in my gambling, but in my life itself. And, and I practice that every day. And almost every situation that goes out through the day, I look at my, my decisions based on step one. Is this something that I'm trying to control, something I'm trying to manipulate, or something that's totally beyond my control? 99.9% .9 of the time, it's totally beyond my control. So it, it, it all comes from the, the rest of it, that point tenth uh, that's left on it, is through my experience on how to handle that situation, all right, and, and how to do the best thing I can do, understanding my step one, and possibly whether the, the, the person I'm talking to or working with or, or anything, that they may not understand how powerless they are over what they're doing. And, and that gives me a whole different viewpoint um, than what I had when I first, than I had during my whole life, and, and definitely a different viewpoint after I came into program to late crash. So I practice step one every single day, and, and I make sure the people that I sponsor understand that, that they have to do it for the year. And, and I believe, I believe I am a much better sponsor for that, and I believe they understand um, their addiction stronger because of that. That's it for this week. Well, okay, my, my, my name is Louis, and I'm a compulsive gambler. I started in, uh, in uh, 1960. I've had days of... Uh, uh, years of abstinence and always going back. And uh, my last bet was uh, Atlantic City when I was 60 years old. And uh, I called my wife up and I told her I'd be late. And she says, I know where you are. The bank president told me that you went through all these 401ks and everything else and what have you. And um, a guy, Bill B., uh, from Westchester, came down, he went through a horrid divorce, and he brought me to a meeting that I didn't want to go to. You know, I was angry, I was pissed, I was caught. And uh, I, I finally got afraid that uh, I would die 
a lonely old man in a one-room apartment. My mother always told me, she's going to die a lonely old man in a one-room apartment. And that happened. You know, I, I ran away from a wife and three children. Um, I went to Rochester, where always it snows in the summertime. And I hate snow. You know, but but what happened is I, I continually went to meetings. I was angry. I was pissed. And all of a sudden, I started to level off. And I started just, you know, I I, I just started all over again. I, you can't come back and say, I, I know this and I know that. I knew nothing. And I started and I surrendered and I surrendered and I surrendered. And I worked the steps. I worked the steps. And... You know, it, 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 as long as I work the steps, I'm okay. I, I take words apart. I take surrender apart. I say, I have to surrender. And I have to believe. And I have to share. You know, and I want to learn. I want to keep on learning. I'm, I'm 90 years old now. I'm 90. I, I, I you know, and uh, we're selling our house. Uh, my wife is, uh, we've been married for 63 years same woman, you know, and she says, Louis, she says, you're going to work until you get all the money back that you lost. I worked till I was 85 years old, you know, and then I had a heart attack. But life is good, I, I you know, and I want to, I want to do the steps twice a week. In other words, the 12 steps every six weeks. So that's every six weeks. I don't know how many times you do it in a year. I, I, I can't remember. But if I keep on doing that, and I keep on listening, because eventually I, I I won't be able to go to meetings. I mean, I depend on people driving because I can't drive at night. And I, I'm I'm fortunate enough to, that there's always two or three guys that drive me. You know, and this is why I I really started this thing. Or I wanted to start it because I want to keep my finger in the steps. You know, I, I, I don't like the war stories because uh, they upset me. They upset me when I, when, I, when I hear the stories and it reminds me what, a, what I've done with my life. You know, I've had so many jobs. And I've had so many people try to help me, you know. But I'm at peace with myself. I really am. And thanks for letting me share. Okay. Great, guys.